And this is the final part of our unboxing of the player cards of the Circle Undone Deluxe Box. It's been really exciting to rattle through all the new cards, see how they're changing the game, shaking up how we build decks, making us be more creative. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm keen to look at these Survivor cards. The last batch. And this is slightly weird for us to do as well, because every single one of these cards was announced ahead of the pack coming out. So I don't think they're new to anyone unless you don't read FFG articles yes, uh, or Listen Mythbusters to announcements. Yes. So yeah, so our takes will be distinctly lukewarm, which is why we've saved Survivor till last. But Just to finish on a whimper. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And stay tuned because we might look at the neutral cards as well. So the first card is Track Shoes. It's a three-cost asset, one agility icon, item, clothing, and footwear. Limit one footwear per investigator. You get plus one agility and reaction after you move, but before enemies at your new location engage you, exhaust Track Shoes, test agility three. If you succeed, move to a connecting location. These are such a flavour win, in my opinion. Just this idea that you can keep on running and just, like, run past enemies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You run into a location and there's an enemy about to engage you and you're just like, nope, and <laughs> you carry on. Yeah, I love that it's it's like the survivor Pathfinder, but Pathfinder requires you to not be engaged with any enemies and this requires you to run into a location with enemies and run past them. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think they didn't add a footwear slot? I just maybe that's some rules baggage, which is gonna be annoying to upkeep. I guess that would be my guess. Seems strange in a cycle where they've added a new slot not to do this as well. Well, uh, yeah, but I I feel like what Matt wants to do is play around with that tarot slot. Yeah, um, I think we we well we've we've got five tarot cards. No, well six tarot cards. In this, and then, you know, maybe we'll maybe see other tarot seven. cards during yeah. the cycle. And yeah. so it's worth putting some rules behind it. But if we've got a footwear slot, like, how often are we going to see shoes as cards? Mm. Maybe this is, I mean, this is the first time in four cycles. So maybe yeah. it's not going to come up. And like, yeah. yeah, you know, in another four cycles, maybe we'll see another set of shoes. Old track shoes. Yeah. I really like that the art of this, there's either red paint or something else red liquid on the spikes of the shoes and on the the higher of the two shoes in the illustration and that yeah. suggests that the shoes have not been just used for running on grass yeah 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 there's that or, or whoever maybe the previous owner of the shoes has met with a sticky end oh yeah I could couldn't quite run fast enough mm. oh like that yeah so this is a great fit for rita who anyway is getting a bonus for evading enemies and can move away from enemies when she evades them and you might run into that situation later in a scenario where you've left an enemy and you actually want to pass that location again like say an enemy in the miskatonic quad or something like that in exact uh, extracurricular activities or there are many other scenarios as well. yeah so so don't fall into the trap of associating this with uh, evading enemies because the ability will 
trigger whether there's enemies at the location you move to or not. Do you see what I'm getting at? You could just move and try try the test? Yeah, exactly, yes. There doesn't have to be an enemy at the location you're moving to for you to run past. That before enemies at your new location engage you is the point at which enemies, if there are any, would engage you. Yes. So so you can just keep running. So it, 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 it boosts your move tests to be two actions. Yeah. So yeah, it, 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 you're right, it is useful with enemies, and I'll come on to that. I just want to mention briefly on Rita. The other reason it's good with Rita is that Rita potentially gets free moves as well. So with this card, Rita actually gets two free moves. So you evade an enemy, use her reaction ability to move, you've then moved into a location, but you've before enemies engage you, if there are any, you then test again and get to move a second time. So you get to put distance between you and a hunter really quickly. Yeah. Or any other enemy. If you're running bait and switch in Rita as well and get to move the enemy, you could just suddenly be nowhere near them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the other thing is this would be crazy if you could run it in a deck with Pathfinder. Mm. So say, in, I guess Rex maybe would be the one to do that in. Yeah, because he's, he's he's not quite good enough already, Rex. Yeah. Uh, Min, yeah, though she's only two agility. Yeah, yeah, you can like, you can just shoot around the place, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Pathfinder, move into a location, test uh, test her agility, move again. Yeah. For fans of Think on Your Feet, the podcast series that I do on this podcast, there've been a few times where I've moved away from an enemy after evading them, and then realised I'm just going to have to move back and evade them again or kill them again. And it's a mistake I often make in my play that I've been noticing more and more. I sort of, as a reaction, just move away from an enemy and then the following turn go, oh, I have to just fight that enemy anyway. And extract you reward that play a bit more, that if you move away, you can actually put a bit more distance if you've decided that you really do want to run away. Yeah, I really like it. I think it's a really cool card, yeah. really flavorful. The other thing to mention just briefly is that it doesn't matter how many enemies are at the location you're moving into. Yes, yeah. So you can just run past the whole crowd of enemies. And that's previously an effect that's kind of tied to uh, Cunning Distraction. Yeah. Uh, or, or something like On the Lamb, which are both, you know, limited and uh, expensive and or expensive. Yeah. So just to have it attached to a three-cost asset that you can use whenever you want, I think it's really good. These seem like a really good card. I think Rita really likes them. I might be tempted by them in Finn as well. Yeah. Just for the, the just the boost to the agility. Yeah. And also extending the range at which you can move, I think is good. Yeah. You could run in, evade and you know, engage, evade an enemy and then and then run off again. Yeah. It's really nice. I love the idea of the bootlegger going, you know, for today's deliveries and putting on my track shoes. <laughs> There's one final thing I do want to mention. You can like nope really hard with this card. So you can move into the hidden chamber. Uh, Silas Bishop is about to engage you and you can exhaust track shoes and test to run away again. So you can just run straight in and out again going, nope, you know, the, the kind of classic, I think it's a Grandpa Simpson thing where he, he oh, strolls yeah, yeah, yeah. in and he just turns in. around and strolls straight out again. Well, I'll tell you what, combine it with your guardian who's got dynamite. Yeah, just to open up a location, yeah. Yeah, you've opened, it's like in... Uh, in Gloomhaven, where you just want to open the door, pop the door and flee, spawn all yeah. the enemies, and, and and then then run back out. Yeah. yeah, maybe you run into a room, the enemies appear, you run back out, and the the guardian chucks his dynamite mm. in, yeah. or uses marksman. Yeah, hey, you could use that actually for the ritual site in the devourer below, then, because you get enemies when you move into the ritual site. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. 
Okay, the next card is Act of Desperation. This card was announced by Mythos Busters to the community. It's a zero-cost event with a double combat icons. It's Tactic and Gambit traded, so that means Mark can take it. As an additional cost to play Act of Desperation, choose and discard an item asset that takes up at least one hand slot from your hand or play area. Fight, you get plus X combat and deal plus one damage for this attack, where X is the chosen asset's printed resource cost. If you succeed and that asset was in your play area, gain X resources. So you've got to, you've got to chuck an item asset. It's got to take up a hand slot. You could either have already have played it or it just be in your in your hand. You get plus X combat, which is the cost of the card and deal damage. And if the card was already in play, you get its money back. Yeah. This uh, the, the investigator that springs to mind really obviously with this is Yorick, mm-hmm. who might want to discard items from either play or from his hand, and he gets a chance to replay the item. Later on when he kills an enemy. Pref- well, hopefully the enemy he's killed by playing this card. Mm, yeah. So that's either would count as like a, a, a boost to his skill. If it's a machete, he and he's you know he's, his skill value is low, even with the boost from machete, he can sacrifice the machete to try and kill a high fight enemy and then replay it. Or he can effectively reload all his guns. Yeah. So throw a 45 at them and then replay it straight away for free. That I like a lot, yeah. And Mark can do exactly the same with that, where when he's emptied his guns, he can then chuck the empty gun at someone as well, which is good as well. It's just getting another use out of your weapons that you would otherwise like play something else over anyway. That seems really yeah. strong. I like the idea of chucking something from hand as Yorick yes. to then get it into... Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Is that exactly what you're going to say? I was going to say, and because Yorick actually likes both sides of this card. Yes. Because um, yeah. we talked in the past about sometimes actually getting cards into the into the bin mm. is the hard part for Yorick. But maybe, you know, he he chucks a machete into the bin, he gets the bonus combat and damage, and then he's got the three resources to play it after he's killed the enemy. Yeah. So it saves him the action of setup as well. So I think Yorick likes this a lot. And I think the fact it's got two combat icons is just like the icing on the cake yeah worth noting if he chucks a card from hand he doesn't get the resources from it it's only if he destroys something so that like the ideal is that you chuck a machete from hand get three resources and play it for free but it's not quite that strong yes i I must admit i misread it at first thinking that that was the case yeah it's because you can choose it's so much choice on this card like it is just a cornucopia of different options and then the third kicker for why i think this card is pretty strong is it's double combat icon yeah so if you realize you don't want to chuck anything and you just need it to boost that vicious blow final shot on an enemy you throw it in for an extra plus two it's really good yeah very very strong i like it yeah me too Okay, hit with the next one. This is Able-Bodied. It's an innate skill card with combat and agility icons. While you control two or fewer item assets, Able-Bodied gains a combat and agility icon. While you control one or fewer item assets, Able-Bodied gains two combat and two agility icons instead. So how how often do you use items? <laughs> Obviously, this, this often, is better for yeah. some survivors than others. Certainly better for some survivors who are chucking everything all the time. Yes. But, well, like Silas. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I feel like Pete probably likes this as well because, well, I'm just trying to think of people who don't use that many items. Mm. Maybe Pete falls into that. Um, but does he want the combat and the agility boosts? Yeah. Does someone like Zoe want it? She's just got a machete down and 
then it's giving her plus three combat or plus three agility. It's like a very useful defensive card or really good for a big swing, maybe. I find this one hard hard to judge, I guess. Yeah, and, and thinking about those items, you've got things like the shovel and the lantern and flashlight, but then you've also got uh, rabbit's foot, cherish keepsake, leather coat. You know, there's there's plenty of items. That's just within Survivor. If we go to Rogue, you add in lockpicks, say, or a weapon is item-traded. Almost anywhere you go, you're going to find items that you might use. I might, I might end yeah. up where... Say I'm playing Agnes and I've got a fire axe, but that's all for for items and everything else I'm using is either spells or allies or things like that. You know, Peter Sylvester for willpower and various spells. Maybe this is all right for there, but then I don't know if I really need to boost combat and agility in that way because fire axe is giving me the boost. It's a strange one, isn't it? It's hard to find. Yeah, a place. yeah, and I find yeah, I'd be interested to see it in play, but I. I don't know. I love the eyes in the background, though, as well. Yeah. So creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you did mention Silas, and maybe it's a, a useful Silas card for that point I made way back in the Guardian episode, where all of these innate-traded skill cards ideally can take the place of four skill cards in your deck. So maybe this is worth looking at if you're if you're thinking of running two manual dexterity and two overpower. Maybe you just run two able-bodied, depending on the items in your deck. Maybe you run a couple of acts of desperation as well to get items out of play and that's how this card starts to be really reliably strong okay should we move on yes let's this is the frank brinkley card because it's the five of pentacles from the brink lee lee (laughs) thank you very much three cost asset one xp tarot traded and tarot slotted it is time to rise up again you get plus one health and plus one sanity Reaction when the game begins, if five pentacles is in your opening hand, put it into play. So, to me, this this is maybe the weakest of the tarot cards, with one very, very striking exception. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you want to say what the exception is, Is Frank? it Calvin? It is Calvin, yeah. And funnily enough, I, if you'd asked me to go first, I would have said, to me, this is the strongest of the tarot cards, because it has an obvious home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends how you want to look at it. I think as a generic ability, plus one health and plus one sanity, it's le- is it? I think it's less good than it being a 1-1 one, one item, maybe? If it was a 1-1 one, one item, you could only ever take one unless you took them simultaneously. Yeah. Whereas with True. this, you could take both and you'd get them. So maybe a little bit better, but then is it, you know three cost and one experience better than than like a leather coat or a or a um cuddly toy yeah keepsake uh and the answer is I th- I pr- maybe not if, if if i'm wanting to soak damage um maybe those cards are better mm. there's a slight synergy with stuff like uh what was it called steadfast is it increases your amount of remaining health and sanity yes yeah which is an anti-synergy with the desperation or the desperate cards Anyway, yeah, that's true. right. That's true. All that aside, t- talk to me about Calvin. Well, Calvin likes to take damage and horror because they boost his skills, and he only has six in each, and or six health and six sanity rather. So going up to seven is terrific. It means he could go up to six damage and six horror and have a stat line of six 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 six, which is the devil plus a six, I guess. 
Yeah. So that that to me is is just strong and one of the challenges with Calvin is staying alive once you've started to take trauma and things like that. And this is just another yeah. way of shoring that up. If you can get it actionlessly and resourcelessly, that to me is where it starts to really shine. So I'd probably run two in Calvin and Mulligan hard for them. Yes. I, I think when it when it comes to Calvin, it, the temptation for me would be to just play Calvin as I usually did, but with a bit more of a, a safety buffer Yeah. in terms of keeping him alive. Mm-hmm. Yes, if something goes wrong for that moment when you actually really wished you had a perseverance or something like that, because you've actually taken too much damage or horror, this just gives you even more of a of an extra boost. And in fact, like when you consider it's a Calvin card, the the name the the flavor text rather, it is time to rise up again. Mm. That that seems even more appropriate, doesn't it? Can I just say with the art, is it someone who's had two fingers severed holding it? Yes, I think or putting so. it out their pocket. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> just. He, bandished up the fingers and then it's just being like well at least they've got my five of pentacles still yeah. it looks like he's got the five of pentacles on the inside pocket of a jacket so it's almost protected the person in the way that uh yeah so it's it's funny isn't it how it seems less good to you and my impression was that it was the most applicable i think you know i wouldn't I, did, I, 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 don't, I don't want to say less good. It's it, it, it niche. Yeah, isn't it, I suppose really? if you've taken trauma as well, like maybe it's campaign specific as well. Anyone who can take this where they've taken a few trauma, if they can see it in their opening hand, that to me is better than starting to spend more XP on an Elder Sign amulet or a bulletproof vest that I've got to find and play. But yeah, yeah, depends. It, the, the proof is in whether or not you see it. That's the challenge. And see it in your opening hand, I mean. Okay, well, should we crack on with the neutral cards? Yeah, let's do it. Right, I will read these. First of all, we have the Ace of Rods, which is a three-cost, one-experience asset. Oh, I forgot the subtitle. The Fateful Step. Uh, This is also a tarot card. Mm. And it has a free action. During your turn, remove Ace of Rods from the game. You may take an additional action this turn, during which you get plus two to each of your skills. Reaction, when the game begins, if Ace of Rods is in your opening hand, put it into play. And that's a, a tarot slot. Tarot to the max. So you, you weren't particularly enamoured with this card. Yeah, I think spending three in an XP for one extra action wasn't really setting my world alight. Admittedly, you do get plus two to each of your skills when you're doing that. And I can imagine some edge cases where you use this and then trigger something like a lockpicks or a cheap shot. And because you've got plus two to all of your skills, you get a really big boost. Like I can see see that being really cool in Boom or Bust Rogue. But that that's me looking for a best case scenario for it. Well, I mean, the best case, I think, is if you get it in play for free. Yeah. So a four action turn in either the first or second turns with a bonus to skills, that feels really good, especially if you're on a scenario where things are really tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you only get it's only one action that you get plus two to each of your skills. Yeah, so I think that's all right. So it's it's like an an unexpected courage bonus action, which is fine, yeah, fine. I, but yeah, not setting my world on fire. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to ever convince you on this. I I think it's okay. Um, I probably wouldn't pick it as a first choice mm. myself, but I I think it's okay. I think getting it down this this is probably the swingiest where. Getting it down for free is really good. Yes. Yeah. But I probably would never pay three and an XP. Well, 
three in an action to play it later in the game. Absolutely. I think that's, I can't get over that downside. Like I would happily, if I could guarantee that this was in my opening hand, I would happily take it. But if I can't guarantee it, I'm sort of thinking, you know, again, what we've said with tarot cards, no icons. So you you can't commit them. They haven't got a second use later on. Maybe I just to to keep prodding at this a little bit. What about someone like Yorick who can play stuff? Oh, no, it's removed from the game. (laughs) Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Should we move on? Let's move on. I like, So we talked about this off-air, listener, in case you're wondering what's going on here. And I said, I'm not convinced about them. And there's something in the campaign log that I'm not going to go into that makes me think that they're not like wildly powerful. And that I said that to Peter, and Peter went, what? What do you mean it's not? You, know, you, do, you weren't saying, yes, it is wildly powerful, but you were surprised by how much I was under underselling it. I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was still quite out of character for you to be so so down on a card. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing I said is that I think I could always find something else to spend my XP on. So maybe that's also based on the fact that recently when I've played, I've not earned very much XP. I, you know, particularly if I play solo, I'm not necessarily delving. So just to have the space to kind of pack my deck with any old one XP card is is unlikely. So yeah, so I, I'm I've yet to be sold on it basically. So the last two cards we're going to look at are both basic weaknesses. So they go into your basic weakness pool to be pulled out. I guess some people might want to do this without looking at the cards. Yeah, that's true. So if you are one of those people and you you absolutely don't want any kind of weakness spoiler, you can stop listening now because we'll just look at these cards and then end, then the episode, really. Is that right? That's perfect, Peter, yeah. Nice one. Perfect, right. So this, this is your last warning. I'm about to start reading it. So the first one we have is actually the card designed by the Council of Thirteen, or the Thirteen at Arkham Knights 2017. So this was a a group of players at Arkham Knights who got together in order to design a weakness card. Now, if you don't like it, blame them. Uh, It is called the Thirteenth Vision, and it is an omen. Revelation. Put the Thirteenth Vision into play in your threat area. Investors at your location fail ties during skill tests. Action, action, discard the 13th vision. The first 12 were false. So the immediate comparison for me is Haunted. Haunted gives you minus one to all of your skills. This instead doesn't affect your skill value, but means you fail ties, and both of them can be cleared in the same way. I think where this is particularly nasty is any time that you're dropping shroud to zero or dropping the difficulty of tests to zero more generally and hoping to pass that as long as you don't draw a tentacle you're fine suddenly this is like oh we can't pull off that kind of jiggery pokery yeah the flip side is that cards like rotting remains which has come up several times in this in this uh this week even if you tie that although you lose the test you don't lose any horror Yes, because you fail by zero, so you don't need anything. So, yeah, there's pluses and minuses. I guess the clause this has that Haunted doesn't is that it affects all your Mm. investigators at the the location, which is probably, although there are differences in tying and getting minus one skill, that would make this, to me, seem a lot worse. I agree, yeah. But on the plus side, that means that your fellow investigators are going to be incentivized to help you clear it. Yeah. If I was playing someone like Finn and I was off by myself, normally I'm so far over the test thresholds that I wouldn't care. But if I was 
you know, the seeker or the guardian in the middle of the pack and this comes out, I'd probably be pleading with my playing buddies to clear it because it's going to affect everyone. It'd be really interesting to keep track of how often you tie a skill test as well, because I think it probably happens fairly regularly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, your point about Finn is interesting because cards like lockpicks uh, or quick thinking, they trigger off being a certain amount above a test. Mm -hmm. And that is not affected at all by this card. Yeah, Haunted is horrible for that because you lose minus two for your tests for for lockpicks. But this doesn't doesn't do anything. Okay, should we move on to the last one? Yes. This is the Tower, 16. Circumstances beyond your control. And it's a four-cost asset. I think people can probably see where we're going with this one. It has the Omen and Tarot traits. You cannot commit cards to skill tests while the Tower 16 is in your hand. If the Tower 16 is drawn in your opening hand during setup, before or after taking your mulligan, you cannot replace it. It must stay in your opening hand. That last restriction is horrible. Yeah. And that's messing with us in a place that we, you know, it was always our opening hands were always safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no longer. We've talked about it before. You know, some investigators would love to see their weaknesses early, but normally, you know, the fact that your opening hand is sacred means that's not been the case until now. I love the art for this, by the way. It's like the tower card has been dropped on the street onto the cobbles, um, and obviously it's just started raining. Uh, and there's like kind of blood flowing along the street as well through the really evocative it's image really good yeah yeah so so the way this this works is that if it's in your hand then you can't commit skill cards mm-hmm. to tests sorry you can't commit cards to skill tests any card yeah and you have to pay the four to play it in order to clear it out your hand and then you can if you want to you can overwrite it once it's in play it doesn't do anything bad yeah um, it takes up that tarot slot, but if you want to play a tarot, you can just overwrite it. Yeah, can you though? Because it's a weakness. You can't choose to discard it. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think when you go over a slot, you have to choose some one of the two cards that's competing for the slot and discard. Uh, no, you discard the, the card in the slot first, then play the new one. No, that's definitely not true because oh. Mitch Brown doesn't force you to discard an ally when you play Mitch, and he changed the rules about slots. So when you play, both cards come in, the, the second card comes into play and the slot is then in contention and then you choose and discard one. That was the FAQ ruling prompted by Mitch Brown. I'll look at, oh man, that's that's annoying if that's the case. Yeah, I could be wrong. It could be that you're allowed to discard weaknesses once they're in play and it's just discard weaknesses out of your hand that you're not allowed to do, but I'm I'm uncertain. Well, yeah, because... Ah, no, because the Necronomicon has, it says, cannot be discarded, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So you can't play it over it. So that wording would be redundant. Ah, if you could could play another hand slot thing and just... Yeah, over the top of it. Okay, so that implies that you could discard this from play. Ah, yes. A player may not optionally choose to discard a weakness card from hand unless a card explicitly states otherwise. Bingo. Then we're good. So... You can overwrite it once it's in play with another tarot card. Yeah, yeah. So, but so yeah. Once it's in play, it it doesn't do anything bad. What it might do is overwrite another tarot card that you've already played. So the nightmare situation is: you start a game, you draw your tarot card, you get it in play for free, and then you have to play this over the top of it. Yeah. Although, note that the reaction ability. It's a reaction ability on the tarot cards, so you don't have to play it at the beginning of the game if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but it's just going to feel so bad when you're like, oh, I can play it for free. Oh no, I've got the tower. Yeah. And where it works well is with Ace of Rods, where you could go, right, I've got the tower in hand and I've also got Ace of Rods. So I'm going to use use the reaction on Ace of Rods and get it into play and then use that ability fairly soon and then play the tower. And here was you dissing Ace of Rods when we've just proved what a fantastic card it is. Yeah, I'd say it's like a high level, maybe God tier level card. (laughs) Four cost is steep is the other thing I want to say. That is pricey. And and an action to play. Yeah, that if you're like me and you commit cards to tests a lot, this is a nasty card that you need to get down speedily. And I think the combination of how it will hit your tempo and how it stops you for every turn that you don't get it down is, yeah, pretty killer. It's nasty. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. Right, and that's it. That's it. That's the deluxe. Done. That's all she wrote. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed that. It's been really fun looking at the new player cards of the Circle Undone, and I'll be getting back into my first looks with the secret name, first Mythos pack. Hopefully we'll have enough time to play before then. You can get in touch. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Twitter and Facebook. We're also on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash drawn to the flame. I hope to hear from you. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am United everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on Twitter and Reddit and Discord, so say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm F-B on Twitter. That's E-P-H underscore B-E-E. And I'm Zooey Glass or Zozo around the place. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you.